It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Colin and Scott, asianboxing.info. We're hanging out, we're having fun, and uh, make sure that if you do like Asian boxing, please go to the site, videos, news, uh, this podcast, upcoming fights, it's all there. It is all there on asianboxing.info. Scott, how are you doing today, my good friend? I'm rather good. We've had great news. It's been a busy day, but a good day. And yourself? I'm doing excellent. I am also ecstatic about that news that we have, but we'll we'll tease it a little. We'll let the fans sit on the edge of their seat before we get to that. Let's start, though, with uh, the fights that we had this past weekend. Charlie Hosokawa, Koki Tyson for the OPBF middleweight title fight. This was in Tokyo. How was this one, Scott? This was brutal. It was fantastic. The two guys just not lumped out each other. And then Tyson ended up with a massive hematoma around his, I believe it was his right eye. He looked disfigured like a gargoyle. It was, it was a grotesque injury, but a fantastic fight. It's just a shame it ended the way it did. It's the boxing game. You're going to get some ugly stuff like that, and and it ends what was great. But I love these two guys getting in the ring again. And, hey, maybe a third fight, possibly? Possibly a third fight. But after this fight, Hosokawa, who won by um, TKO in round eight, announced that he'd be fighting the Japanese champion Kazuto Takisaka in January to unify the Japanese and OPBF title. So that should be just as good. Um, let Tyson have some time to um, heal from his really badly swollen eye and let Hosokawa get into another wall. We can't complain. I like the idea of that. Let him let him get recovered and then they can meet uh, further down the road. Uh, but obviously, there are some good dancing partners together. They make for good action. Also on this card, though, and it was a major shock, Shingo Wake. What happened? He got, I guess we can say, iced. Um, yeah, he was looking in control. He left John Real Ramanol cut. He looked calm. He looked sharp. He looked good. And then he was dropped. And he never really recovered. And let the same round, round three, he was not clean out. It was one of the knockouts of the year. Um, for those who haven't seen it, it is on Box and Rays, unfortunately. So it can't share it on the site. But my god, what a knockout. This was a massive upset, and it was a frightening knockout. Waka had been on a six-win or six-fight winning streak before this. Uh, he was brutally TKO'd against Jonathan Guzman in that world title fight in 2016, but he was on the verge of another world title fight. Now what does this do to his status? It certainly destroys any idea of him fighting for... <laughs> The WBC title, I think we mentioned last week, where he's ranked number two with the WBC. You'd assume a third match with Ramanol would make sense, but at 32, maybe he's losing some of what made him what he was. He certainly isn't as quick or as sharp as he once was. A knockout like this is going to take time to recover from. It's hard to see him getting a long way his second title shot. Yeah, it might be time for him to, to call it quits. Uh, and you love that he was going after that second title shot, even after that loss to Guzman, which was very brutal. I mean, he very well could have said, I'm done 
after Guzman, but he got himself back up. He had one of the fights of the year against uh, Yusaku Kuga, and then we thought, all right, well, he, he's ranked pretty high in all the different sanctioning bodies. Is he going to get back to that world title fight? Probably not, but still a very impressive career from, from Wake. Very impressive given how he started his career as well. Um, we've spoke highly about him for the last couple of years, but he started really, really badly. It's often forgotten that, you know, he was 3-2-1 and one after six fights. He really didn't get touted very highly, and he rebuilt really well after that. So it's a shame to see his career probably now reaching what he could have done talent-wise, but the way he rebuilt was amazing. And he was a street fighter. Right? He he was fighting on the streets and walked into a boxing gym just to learn uh, the sweet science. So he's definitely made something of himself. He has. He's done really well for himself. It's just, uh, again, a shame. He was never managed to go all the way. Never managed to fulfill what he had the potential to do. Now, I got ahead of myself just a little bit because we talked about these Saturday fights, but... On Thursday, uh, there was a fight at Korokan Hall. Uh, it was re-aired on Saturday, so that's kind of why I had it in my mind that let's talk about it right after this. But Suichiro Yoshino against Harmonito de la Torre. This for the WBO Asia Pacific Lightweight title. Also the OPBF Lightweight title. And this one showed Yoshino with an impressive knockout. Yeah, Yoshino's knockout, fantastic. It was very similar um, in how dramatic it was to Ramanal's Wake. The difference here is he was really under pressure. Delatore came to win. The Filipino seemed to hurt Yoshino. He seemed to be going for it. And then, boom, caught by a counter, out cold. For the second day running, we had a huge, huge knockout at Corican Hall. But you love to see this. I mean, you want to see Yoshino get tested because I think... His first nine fights, probably not tested like he was against, or first ten fights wasn't tested like he was against Delatore. Yeah, yeah, you usually saw people try out box him. Um, the one test he perhaps had was Yoshitaka Kata, who didn't go away. Kata was outboxed, but he was there to win. He was you know, a former Japanese and RPBF champion. He was just a bit too slow. But on the whole... Yoshino's done as he's pleased. He's not really been pushed. He's not seen fight his goal for him. And Dilatorio went for him. It just unfortunately didn't pay off well for him. That's what I love to see, though. Go for it. You know, I mean, you're you're not in there just to be an opponent. You're you're there to go and win. But we saw Yoshino and just his masterful countering skills. You know, he he might be a fringe contender for a world title eventually. We talked about it last week. Darn Vasily Lomachenko just hogging up all the lightweight space. But maybe after he leaves, if he goes back down or retires, maybe Yoshino will have a shot. He certainly hopes. So. Given how well Nakatani performed against Teofimo Lopez, I've repeatedly said that Yoshino is the better boxer. So, yeah, I think Yoshino can certainly be there, thereabouts in the mix. But also on this card, uh, or on the Yoshino card, we had Kenichi Horikawa. Going up against Yuto Takahashi for the Japanese light fly weight title. This looked this looked more competitive when you knew about the fighters than it looked on paper. 
Um, Horikawa is a true veteran of the Japanese scene. He won 40 out of 46 fights. He was the defending champion. He was going through a really good surge in his career. Takahashi, on the other hand, wasn't really wasn't well known outside of, of very small circles of Japan, but Takahashi came to win. He used his speed, his movement. He he made the most of being 13 years younger than Horikawa and just outpointed him overall. It was a really good fight, though. Horikawa showed his, his veteran spirit. He fought really tough. Um, yeah, Takahashi just did enough in the end. It's an Asian boxing podcast, Colin and Scott. Asianboxing.info. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We appreciate you. Uh, Dimitri Bivol. Oh, Dimitri, Dimitri, Dimitri. We love you. You are an Asian boxer. We support you. But your performance this past Saturday on the zone in Chicago left a little to be desired, so much so that you got booed. Is it a wonder? It's not the first time he's done it. We know he's talented. We know he can be sensational. But for the fourth fight in a row, in a row it kind of seemed like he couldn't bother to put on a show. And we mentioned it with Hamanito de la Tarde just a few minutes ago, where we mentioned you're there to win. Bivol's there to win, but he's there to win by doing the least possible. He's just going to stick within his game plan. He's going to do nothing at all to try and make fans excited. And I kind of see him falling into some issues that Demetrius Andrade and Guillermo Rigondeaux have had where who wants to see them? No top fighter needs to fight them. They're too dangerous to be fought, but they're not bringing the fans the money and the sort of attention that they need to. Bivol is going to be his almost enemy if he's not careful. You know, it really is a discussion I think that needs to be talked about is, you know, these these fighters that are safe. And yes, they are not fan-friendly. Demetrius Andrade, Dimitri Bivol, Guillermo Rigondeaux. But they're great fighters. You know, they know how to box. Is there a place for them, you know, in this sport? We just saw, you know, over this weekend, another injury. Patrick Day, um who, you know, I believe is still in a coma right now, and, and we're thinking and praying about him and hoping that he can get out of it. But it, it's a dangerous sport. I understand as fans, we want to see the most action, but it's almost hard to blame these fighters if they were just, you know, this is their style. They want to play defensive and keep from, from getting hit as much. There's certainly a sense that you can understand why some fighters are defensive the problem is that it's going to cause them issues when it comes to fans fans at the end of the day are paying to watch them fight and whilst nothing can change Patrick Day's uh, health at the moment there's a sense that perhaps fighting as defensively as possible is just going to turn people away from the spot anyway the tragedies happen in the spot they happen whether you're an offensive fighter a defensive fighter health it's unfortunately something that's going to be damaged when you get in the ring. But you still need to realise that there are fans who are there for a reason and playing it overly safe will not help those help the standing of the sport. It will not make people want to watch you. It'll 
cause longer term issues for you and the sport than a freak injury here and there. We do see injuries with defensive fighters. We see um, an injury in Japan earlier this year with a Siyoshi Tomida fight. And the opponent who got hurt was a Filipino who was defensive right throughout. The, I don't think he took a clean shot, really. He was stopped, but he was stopped standing. And he then ended up having a brain surgery in Japan after the fight. He was defensive. He was not taking punishment. He was really, really in control of uh, how he looked throughout the fight. Nothing can stop issues from happening. Um, I am glad to report that Renario Arizala is in fine health. He's back in the Philippines. He's pretty much fine, but accidents happen. Z Gores was another defensively sound fighter who was injured. You're taking a risk every time you step in the ring, whether you're aggressive or not. You don't play boxing. This is the one sport that it's a fight, and every time you you walk into that ring, it's it's dangerous. Uh, and I think you're right. You're totally right. If you're a defensive boxer, offensive boxer, no matter what you are, there's always a shot. There's always a chance that you could get hurt. Um, but Bevel, it's just, it's also the fact that he was kind of outclassing Castillo. You just kind of wanted to see him put the pedal to the metal just a little bit more to, to maybe try and get Castillo out of there. I mean, he knocked him down. Um, but then after that, kind of let his foot off the gas. Yeah, you kind of get a feeling with a lot of these fighters, and the bigger issue isn't so much that he can't put his foot on the gas, it's the fact he chooses not to. If you're choosing to stink the joint out, you deserve to be booed. If you're stinking the joint out because your stars don't gel, that's a little bit different, because you were never going to have that type of action exciting about, but by not even trying to excite, that's... That's hard to swallow, um, especially when you can be exciting. Bivol coming through the ranks was brilliant to watch. Bivol the last three or four fights, terrible to watch. I wonder if it's just a step up in competition. Is, is that the thing? Because his first, what, five or six fights, all knockouts, maybe had a couple of unanimous decisions after that, but then more knockouts until he kind of stepped up. And now recently... Four straight unanimous decisions. So is it the step up in competition? Is he fighting guys that are more fringe contenders? Or is it just the fact that all of a sudden he decided, ah, I'm not going to risk it? Well, he looked fun against Sullivan Barrera. And I'd say Barrera isn't any worse at all than Lenin Castillo. I don't think Barrera's worse than Joe Smith. I don't think Barrera's worse than John Pascal. So, yeah, I don't think it's that step up in competition necessarily. It may play a part, but I think there's perhaps um, maybe a little bit of worry about being tagged by somebody who isn't on his level. Does he have any shot at getting a unification of the winner of Gavadzik better beat of? Not on the back of last weekend's fight. Because they're just going to say, not worth the risk. He probably doesn't bring a lot of fan base with the way he's fighting. Uh, I have a chance to lose because he's a darn good boxer and why get in the ring with him if if that's the case? Yeah, and that's completely ignoring the TV issues with the other two guys on ESPN. Who's going to make that fight? Who's going to pay for that fight? Who's going to want to watch that fight other than the real hardcore fans who do want to see titles unified? So Dimitri Bivol, his career, 
I mean, he's 17 and 0. It, it on paper it looks great, uh, but he might have to change a couple things, and maybe getting booed at Win Trust Arena in Chicago. Maybe that was a eye opener. Maybe that's going to wake him up and tell him he needs to change some things. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info with Scott and Colin. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, This weekend, we have a really, really cool card, and I love this idea. Now, Scott, you can explain it a little bit more. It's called the Knockout Dynamite Tournament, but I'm excited for it. This is on Saturday from Corican Hall, and the idea of the Knockout um, Dynamite Tournament is to basically score knockouts. It's three different weight classes. They're not actually fought within normal boxing weight classes. They're fought, I think, 56 kilograms, 60 kilograms, and 65 kilograms. They're four-man tournaments. They are featuring, I believe, eight Japanese fighters, sorry, nine Japanese fighters, two Mongolian fighters, and a Filipina. And the idea is if you score a knockout in the opening round, you get a big bonus. If you score in the second round, you get a smaller bonus, all the way up to taking... uh, the fifth round knockout, the bouts are all five rounders, strangely enough. Um, yeah, it's got Floyd Mayweather involved, it's got Takashi Uchiyama involved, it's got lots of interesting sub-stories. The men who win on Saturday will then fight later, later, next, later this year, I think it's actually next year, in a final bout uh, to crown three different divisional champions and it's exciting. It's something different. It's it sort of solves the bill problem. Win quickly, score a knockout, you get paid more. Must watch TV if I'm in Japan. I would love this because there's just that anxiousness. I think, and it's an anxiousness we feel during all fights. But you're really expecting knockouts in this one because of that money prize, and even though there's not a big name on this card doesn't really matter I, I don't really care who's fighting because of the novelty of the idea even ignoring the fact there's no big names there are some fairly solid names like Vladimir Beyers, Shusaku Fujinaka and um, Ren Sasaki and Yuki Yamauchi are two fantastic unbeaten prospects are both uh, potentially facing off in the final at one of the divisions so there's talent there there's Names that are perhaps known, you know, domestically in Japan. And the card itself will actually be shown on Boxing Ray, so it's available live across the country. Wow, okay. So if you want to check out the Knockout Tournament, Dynamite Tournament, that'll be Saturday Boxing Rays. Um, It should be a good one. I kind of want to take some time to, to look at that tournament. We need more tournaments in boxing. Stuff like this, stuff like the World Boxing Super Series, it's healthy for the sport. It's just weird that they all seem to be happening in Asia right now. There's this, there's the Gozlev tournament, which has its next round in November, I believe. And there's the Hajime no Ippo tournament. Go anime. Yeah, go anime. Go 30 years of uh, Hajime. There's a the Rookie of the Year tournament. Um, they have the regional finals in November, the All Japan final in December. There's the KBF, KBC, and I believe KBM Rookie of the Year tournaments taking place in Korea. There's a couple of tournaments taking place in Thailand. 
Asia just gets it, right? The great thing about tournaments is they drive a narrative. You have a reason to follow after one fight onto another fight, and it'd be great to see a lot more tournaments taking place in the West. In the West, there's been tournaments. We've seen, you know, we saw Andre Ward born out of a tournament. We, we've seen some cool, different little small tournaments that have made superstars. Alexander Usyk, who fought last week out of the World Boxing Super Series, became a star. Don't you want to make stars? Don't you want to have fans watching? It, it, to me, it's almost a no-brainer. Even if it doesn't make stars, it makes contenders. And yeah, the contender, fantastic. Boxino, fantastic. Um, even the one-night tournaments that we held over here in the UK, the prize fight tournaments, oh, more tournaments. Please. Scott and I from AsianBoxing.info were asking the world for more tournaments Hey, there's a World Boxing Super Series fight coming up between Regis Progress and Josh Taylor. That's a tournament fight, too. And then we have November's card with uh, Inuit and Danette. Um, I believe we have the WBSS Cruiserweight final coming up. But more tournaments. Tournaments are great for the spot. Tournaments for the win. Let's go. Uh, a fight that's not going to be a tournament. This Friday in Pennsylvania, we're going to see on the undercard of the better beat of Gavodzik, which I think that's going to be a great fight. But help me with this pronunciation, Scott. Kudratilla Abdukakorov, I believe. See, you're way better than I, I honestly couldn't have pronounced that. He's taking on Luis Colazo. I can pronounce that. And uh, which should be a, a good fight. Colazo's a, you know, he's no slouch. That's was very good. Um, the Uzbek, also known as the Punisher. Yeah, now that's much easier. I, I'm just going to, from now on, anytime I see his name, Punisher, the Punisher. Much easier. Um, he's actually the IBF mandatory for the welterweight title, which is held by Errol Spence. Um, again, I hope Spence gets well. I hope he uh, recovers from his recent accident. Um, but yeah, I see, I see Bob Aaron using... The Punisher quite smartly here. If he beats Klatsa, he'll remain the mandatory. And if Spence doesn't defend against him, I can see Kudratillo getting a shot at the IBF title and then fighting Crawford in a unification bout. Yeah, he doesn't stand a chance against Crawford, but it's a way to get Bud with um, a unified title. Who does stand a chance against Bud? I think the only guy is probably Spence. Um out of all the welterweights. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see Pacquiao against him, actually. I think that'd be an interesting fight. I'm not saying it end well for Pacquiao. I'm just, I think it'd be interesting. I've learned to not doubt Pacquiao. Just, I, there was a time where I was like, yeah, he's over the hill. And uh, he's old, but he just keeps proving the world wrong. So, you know what? I'm going to sit back and just enjoy it. He's got the experience to ask Crawford questions. Maybe not the physical traits anymore, but there's enough there. Part against Crawford, perhaps? It's the Asian Boxing Podcast on asianboxing.info. And Scott, oh, do we have some news. You've been on the edge of your seat. You've been waiting for it this entire podcast. But Scott is going to drop a bombshell on you that you are not ready for. So please stand up. Just brace yourself right now. Scott, what is this big news? Takeshi Inoue is fighting at the weekend. Oh wait, not that news. Oh, that's oh, that's that's exciting. <laughs> um, 
on December 23rd at Yokohama Arena. We'll see a world title triple header thanks to Fuji TV. And it's possibly one of the cars of the year. On paper, it looks brilliant. It looks fantastic. Uh, the least important of the bouts, I guess you could say, we'll see Akira Yaigashi challenge Maruti Mithalana. Uh, yeah, this is a flyweight bout between two guys in their mid-30s who are uh, still world-class. They have styles that should gel. Yaigashi, is there ever a bad Yaigashi fight? No. Is there ever a bad Mithalana fight? The, the styles should be absolutely brilliant here. Um, yeah, I guess you'll bring pressure. Mithalana's sharp counter-punching. That should be amazing. Ryota Morata will defend his middleweight title against Stephen Butler. Um, a Canadian is best known for his loss. Butler lost to Brandon Cook a few years ago, and then there was chaos. There was uh, almost a riot afterwards with people throwing things at Cook. Since then, he's gone unbeaten, scored a, a nice string of knockouts, and then travels to first Morata. Previously, there was talk about Butler fighting Demetrius Andrade. Morata's team made the more compelling offer. That should be very fun. Both are aggressive, but that's that kind of pales compared to the, the third belt. Kenshiro versus Felix Alvarado in a WBC IBF light flyweight unification belt. It's perhaps not the Kenshiro belt we were wanting. That's obviously Hiroto Kaiguchi, but as an alternative, this yeah, this is really good. The styles should be amazing. We should see Kenshiro on his toes boxing, Alvarado with his pressure style. Boy, this one's gonna be special. Possible fight of the year candidate, and I just can't wait for December twenty third. To hear Kenshiro. That's all I want to hear. I just want to hear that again because I am Kenshiro's biggest fan. I am so glad that he is back in the ring. It's been a while. Uh, fought in July. But Alvarado? I mean, I, I was expecting Shiro to fight because you were prepping me. But I didn't think that they were going to unify. And I'm ready for it. Let's see it. Alvarado, knockout man, just knocking everyone out. Although he did uh, have a unanimous decision against Konishi recently. I think that probably set up a fight here in, in Japan. Yeah, yeah, I also think that perhaps um, Alvarado wants revenge over Japan because his first loss actually came to Kazutoyoka. Um Also, penciled in for that card, although not officially announced, is the return of Daiga Higa. So just every, everything that we could want for Christmas... Just all there on a platter. Just a couple of days early. I will take it, though. I will take it and run with it. Three of the stars of Japan. You add Higa, who is coming back into his own after his suspension. And that is news that is music to every boxing fan's ear. Now, Fuji TV, you talked about that. But also, for us, maybe in the States... ESPN definitely probably going to be an option for for us here because of Murata's partnership with them. You would assume that ESPN would be picking up whether or not they show all the bouts or three of the bouts or whatever. You can't see ESPN not televising this. and It'll be early for you guys, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth getting up for. Yeah, I think actually in Murata's last fight against... Uh, Rob Brandt, that also was on ESPN. And if I remember, they showed 
uh, Satoshi Shimizu's fight, which that was hard to watch. And uh, they showed Ken Shiro. So I think they'll at least pick up the three fights, especially since the other two are for titles as well. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to be great value. If you're a fan and you're getting to see Yaigashi for the first time in the in um, the US, you're not you're not going to complain. I've seen Yaigashi or Kenshiro or Alvarado. I'm not going to complain at all, and I'm American, so I will speak for all Americans and say we are happy to watch this card on ESPN or ESPN Plus or whatever it may be. In the UK, you guys don't get uh, the old ESPN, do you? We used to get a version of ESPN, but yeah, um, we don't get it anymore as far as I'm aware. We do get Box Nation and we do get BT Sports, but I, it's a bit of a crapshoot as to whether or not we get any of the ESPN's content on either of them anymore. But you'll have Fuji TV. We'll know how to watch Fuji TV if we're interested enough. Um, yeah, it's available over here. Um, unofficially. Yeah, just don't tell the, the people. The, the authorities. We'll keep it on the down low for you, Scott. Don't worry. Better. Um, and in, interestingly, just a day earlier than that, uh, the All Japan Rookie of the Year final state place as well. Just keeps coming. The hits keep coming. It's just all good. Oh, December's going to be amazing. October is off to a bang, off to a great start, and it's going to finish with some great fights. November, we have the return of the monster. Oh, man, these last three months have been blissful. It's the perfect way to win the year, isn't it? Three months of pretty much nonstop, interesting, good-looking fights. And even if one of them fails, even if we get a bivol fight in there, we have so much to make up for it. Yeah, it makes you really want to love boxing. Come back to the sport if you've been away for a while. When great fights are made... That's what the fans want to see. We don't want to see all this, oh, you're across the street. I'm not going to fight you. We don't want to see that. We just want to see the best, get in with the best, and see what happens. And if we don't get that, at least give us you know, compelling matchups. At least give us even-looking matchups. We've got things like John Noynavis, Kenichi Ogawa. They may not be the best guys, but that's a hell of a fight. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin, AsianBoxing.info. You're not going to want to miss a podcast. We will be here next week. And remember, go to AsianBoxing.info for all your news, your videos, uh, the schedule. It's all there on AsianBoxing.info. Until then, thanks and have a great rest of your day.